Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Are you in need of confidence boost in your real estate journey? I remember behind every success story is a failure and getting up again. Draw inspiration from these real estate success stories that we've heard on the show. Our guest is Jens Nelson. Thanks for being on the show, Jens. Oh, it's great to talk to you, Whitney. Would you say that if you weren't still employed, that you may be trying to do most of this yourself instead of building a team? Or you'd be tempted. I know I would be. Yeah, no, it's that idea of you come from being in control, being a good technician, and you're like, hey, I know what I'm doing and that nobody can do as well as I can. And then you suddenly try to create a business and you try to do it yourself, everything. And it just doesn't work because you can't be in a hundred places at once and you're not necessarily very good at a bunch of things that you want to be good at. I think it's important when you start out, you need to learn as much as you can about all the aspects of your business. But over time, trying to leverage other people, what they're good at, that is going to be tremendous in growing and scaling your business. So leveraging others' skills, right? And those tasks that are $10 an hour tasks, as opposed to the $100 an hour task, which most of us have heard that before, hiring those things out that are $10 an hour tasks so you can focus on the other things, right? But who was your first hire and what did they do for you? I'm, I'm so small enough that I don't really have any full-time employees or anything like that. But I mean, the first thing I really realized, you know, I've been a guy who was doing my own taxes, my own accounting, you know, for, for my job and stuff like that. So I'm like, that's the first thing I did. I cannot figure out how to do my business taxes. Like, so don't even try. So, I mean, the first thing was to hire, you know, making sure that my accounting for my properties was done professionally. So I would just get a monthly update the status and income expenses, my PL and everything else. So that was the first thing. And then really hiring a CPA to do my taxes. I looked at it for five minutes, like, no way, I can't do this. So that was just the first realization. So you first hired an accountant and then a CPA? Yeah, essentially, that was just the first thing I did. And that's been tremendous. So I don't have to worry about those things. They just get done and it's taken care of. Yeah, so even though those aren't full-time employees, they're still taking tasks off your plate that they're really good at and probably much more efficient at. But now that you can go work on something else that you want to spend your time on. Absolutely, yeah. And that would just be you know, stuff that's not value-add within my skill set. So that's off my plate for somebody else to do that. All right. So what was next? What are some other tasks that you finally discovered that, okay, I need to start hiring this out and building a team that can do these things? Well, obviously, so the other path I've done, I've done some direct mail and other things to try to find, you know, that seller for smaller, the small properties I've done. And initially, you know, I would try to do a lot of that work myself, you know, so over time, so I got some people to help me, just some people in the local community that wanted little side work and stuff like that. I explained, you know, how do you go and find the owners? How do you break down the LLCs and all that stuff? So after I understood it myself, I've had people help me create those lists and then also, you know, sending out those letters. So I'm not the one sitting there stuffing envelopes and writing out envelopes and stuff like that. So I had people help me with that. So that's been something I've scaled back on a little bit more because I'm leveraging a bigger I'm changed my investment approach a little bit, but that was another task that I tried to, you know, kind of outsource that way. 
Okay. And then go into how you've grown that, what you're doing now. Maybe do you use virtual assistants or do you have somebody like locally that helps you part-time and what do they do? Yeah. So basically, you know, I've actually just had somebody locally help me just part-time doing some of these tasks. I know a lot of people use virtual assistants. I've not really gone down that path yet. It is probably something that I need to do, but I, I need to look into more. Then obviously, you know, property management is... Because I think a lot of investors, they're like, oh my God, I don't want to do, you know, fix toilets and all that. So I immediately, I was like, no, I don't want to manage properties. If I find professional help to do that, then that's another key thing. You know, do what you're good at. Do what, as you said, the $100 or $1,000 an hour work versus the $10 an hour work. You know? Yeah. So you said you're hiring at property management and things like that. What type of systems did you have to develop? I mean, obviously with even 82 units and working full time, I mean, you've got to have some people in place or some systems to be able to manage all that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, you know, obviously the property management, I use the same company for all my properties. So they have their systems to create the monthly reports and the P&L and all that. So that's helpful in that regard. Personally, I've experimented with various CRMs and I'm actually quite the customer relationship management so I can keep track on who I'm contacting and what I'm supposed to do. I've actually gone to a new one that I found interesting. It adds on to just Google Mail, a Gmail uh, called Street. And that's actually like a CRM built into Gmail that actually consolidates everything in there. So having some sort of system for that, I think that's just who are you reaching out to? When are you reaching out to them? And when is the last time you heard from them? That's key. And that's what I've found that this... I haven't heard of Streak. That's the name of the CRM you're currently using? It's called Streak. I think if you Google that, you can find a company. I think the company is something else. you know. And there's even another... I'm just looking at my screen over here. There's another one called Boomerang. That's another add-on to Gmail. They're just little things like, hey, you haven't heard from this person in three days. We'll prompt you to reach out again and stuff like that. So, Because I think the best CRM is the one you use. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and all my email flow through Gmail, right? So... That way I can manage it all from in there. Yeah, I've done lots of research about numerous CRMs and different platforms. And I will give a shout out to one of our sponsors, IMS, who's giving 15% off to the listeners if you use the code in the show notes. And, you know, and something like that is more towards the syndication business, you know, where investors can log in and actually see their investments on their phone or on the computer and have their own account so that they can watch those things. But something like Contactually or HubSpot and Podio and all these that are, they're CRMs, but some of them are a lot more involved than others. And they're not like the syndication business specific. You know, they are more customer relationships, management, a little different, not just for investors. So it really depends on what you're looking for. But anyway, I appreciate you bringing up Streak. I haven't heard of that one. So what was it about Streak that made you decide on them as opposed to other platforms? Oh, I had tried some other CRMs, as you mentioned, and I guess it didn't really feel like they were integrating very well. They're very expensive, you know, and even though it may not seem like a lot, but a lot of monthly expense, it all adds up. So I was like, hey, let me try this one. Somebody else mentioned it to him. Like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, you can do mail merge and you can do man's a lot of stuff. And it's like, hey, it's pretty simple and integrated with the tool that I'm already using. So I felt like it's, it was just a plug-in. So it's just right away it was working for me. You know, down the road, I may change to something else, but it's working for me at the moment. Great. I like what you said too. It's just the one that you use, right? Is the best one. And it is. It's a daily thing that you're having to upkeep and keep putting information in time and time and time again. And so it's always current. And if you don't do that, then none of them are going to work very well for you. Are there any other 
things like that or software that you found that is useful to you or helped you create these systems so you can stay organized while you're still working full time, but managing this real estate business? I mean, it may sound simple, but I love to use Google Sheets, anything. I want to have everything available regardless where I'm at. So I use Google Sheet and Google Docs a lot. I use Dropbox, anything that's in the cloud that's easily accessible regardless of where you're at. Are really, just kind of what I'm... So that's what I... I don't have any specific... Because again, you know, I don't run my own property management. So I don't have you know, an Affolio system implemented or something like that. Yeah. I also use Google Sheets and Google Drive. Love it. So I can just see it right on my phone. I can have an icon right on my home screen on my phone and just touch it. And I can see an Excel sheet right there that the whole team can see. And that's been very beneficial for us as well. So I want to talk about your money raising a little bit, you know, how you've partnered with other teams. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. We talked about, you know, you're raising 350000 in seven days, but I want to go back a little bit and just how you got into the business syndication, or maybe even from when you had the 82 units, was syndication something that you were even aware of? Thanks for asking that question because I started investing in my private, my own money and smaller deals. I also took a shift with my retirement money, if you will. I had some IRAs sitting in the stock market at you know one of the big brokerage companies. And one of the big things I learned early on is the idea of self-directed IRAs. So I was like, huh, I can actually invest in real estate, you know, private placements, syndications through my IRA. So I investigated that. And like I think early on, two and a half, three years ago, I started moving a lot of money out of the stock market into various syndication deals. And I think I've done like 12 deals now through my own IRA, my wife's uh, IRA, because I realized it's, I just feel like it's a much better vehicle, in my opinion, than putting money in the stock market and hoping for it to go up. So I started down the passive route first to really learn how is this done, you know, and so forth. So I, so I guess to step back, I have known about syndications for quite some time. I have not done any until this year. Personal. Okay. So tell us how you then started to get into the syndication business. In my last podcast, I talked a little bit about this kind of joint venture we did with some friends. And it actually surprised me how I hate to use this, but it was actually not that difficult to get people involved in an investment because they trusted me to know what I was doing. They looked at the deal and they looked at the team and said, Hey, this makes sense. Let's go. So like, huh, there's probably a lot of money out there that's looking for a place for the people and money looking to invest somewhere. So that gave me a boost of confidence to move forward. But I also realized that I was not in a position with my full-time job to go out and go to all these big markets and create the relationships with the brokers, look at all these big deals and really be the key principal on a big deal at this point in time. So I started like networking with people that are actually doing that work themselves. So they are the ones finding the deals. Those are the ones that are underwriting it. And once in everything is, they have everything on a contract. I then, you know, look at that and make sure it makes sense. And then I said, if I feel comfortable with it, I said, Hey, I would like to help you raise money for this deal. So that was kind of the path of the direction I took. because I felt like that was the natural progression for my business. Our guest is Chad Hudson. Thanks for being on the show, Chad. Thanks, Whitney, for having me. Appreciate it. It's impressive that right out of college, you know, you knew that you wanted to be in real estate. And I wish that I had known that early on. But I find a lot more people are getting started earlier now. But I hear it time and time again, someone that's starting in real estate in their 40s or 50s or, you know, whatnot. And they say, oh, I wish I had known earlier. 
about starting in real estate. But what would you say as far as from your experience, you know, you had single families, you've had the construction business, you started with that condo, and then now you're into syndication. Someone that's getting started right out of college again, or maybe they're 30, what would you advise them from your experience? What part of real estate should they get in? Well, I think everyone, whether it's a single family, I don't really recommend that. I recommend going and buying a plex, a duplex, a quad, whatever it may be to start with. I think you just get out there and get your feet wet on that occasion as far as doing it yourself. You got to get skins on the wall and that's the best way to go in and get your own unit. I got to tell the story real quick. When I was in college and of course playing ball, there was a lady named Margie Stabor from College Station, Texas. And she really piqued my interest. She would go around and there was probably 40 units, several baseball players that lived in these units. And at the first of the month, she'd pick up rent checks. And I knew most of those units were hers. And she still was a realtor in town, but she had this passive income. And I said, wow, forget baseball. I mean, I know it's one day going to end. I like that gig. So I, as far as a kid, there's two things. Never hesitate to ask questions. And I immediately asked Miss DeBoer everything. And she probably got sick and tired of me, but I tell my people that she gave me more knowledge than really I got out of school down there in a four-year degree. But I would watch her and, and ask questions. So, you know, to answer your original question, I would say, go buy something, you know, be smart about it, get in there, live there, kind of the similar to what I did with the house hacking. And then if you want to grow from there or you want to sell it, or you think you can scale up. Then me personally, now I wouldn't waste too much time on the single family more. So I would really start looking at scaling up at an earlier age. I wouldn't trade how I did it. But if kids ask me today or someone asked me that even my age, I would say it just depends on where you're at, your risk averse, but I would go big. I like that. And, you know, you also had a construction and renovation business. Was that something in addition to your rental properties? Did that benefit your rental business? Or is that something that you would even recommend somebody with, say, a large portfolio having their own construction business? Oh, absolutely. It helps me analyze properties. I know construction. I know how to talk to the general contractor, the sub. It's a team sport, and I feel like that's another equation that benefits me as far as for the future. I can go out and analyze a property ground up and look at the construction, see what's needed. But no, I still do that today. Savoy Builders is a company that I have, and I build houses still, and I've got a partner in that, a gentleman named Chris Pruitt, and he knows more about construction than I do. I listen to your shows, and the smart people hitch their wagon to smart people. And I've said it a hundred times, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find new friends. So it helps me in every aspect. That's what I meant by real estate can be a very broad definition. But my passion is building and really whatever the market bears. I'll build houses if it's needed, but for personal gratitude and then for obviously my family's sake, we invest in a long-term wealth building that's slow growth. But the great saying ever I think it was Roy Rogers, I believe, you know, the saying of don't wait and buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. So that's kind of my motto, but I got to stay busy and make money to buy real estate. So that's the real estate development company that I have. I still do that. And it helps me every day, Whitney, as far as investing. So as far as the syndications that you've completed and been involved in, you know, what's been the hardest part of the syndication process for you so far? Wow, that is a great question. You know, speaking of broad, there is so many smart people in there, whether it's from 
the tech industry, when I would go look at deals, I would go touch them and feel them. I never really put much on a computer until at the end. And now it's, it's a computer-based business. It's, I mean, they analyze things down to a penny. And uh, sometimes for me, it's analysis paralysis. It's, it's crazy how much goes into that when, I mean, most of the time, I'm just like, let's go do a deal. We can be smart about it, but it's been fun. It's been fun learning. It's very similar to what I've been doing. It's just add another zero at the end. So what kind of buying criteria do you have now as far as looking for multifamily properties? What size properties are you looking for? And what are some things that are like, when you're talking to a broker, maybe this is exactly what I'm looking for. Obviously, I want to be a part of a class B value add, very similar probably what you're looking for. I don't know if I can say this, but I want to be in a red state. I want to be very tenant-based or very landlord-friendly. And it's a capitalism market. And I want to be able to have access to go in and really clean up a place and get the rents raised and turn the property around. Again, I look at demographics like we all do, and it needs to be in a very positive demographic area that's growing and for the foreseeable future is going to grow. So that's kind of my standards as far as at the end of it, you start adding crime rate and get down to the nitty gritty. But I mean, just a positive growing place that's well represented from the town's aspect. Is there a specific size of property? Is it strictly multifamily and certain size of property? I think 200 up. I feel like from what I've learned, you can hire the same amount of people for 200 that you can for 100. So again, I'm learning every day, but I really like the 200 plus play. You mentioned like landlord friendly states. Is there specific, maybe landlord unfriendly issues that we should be aware of when we're purchasing a property that you've encountered? Yeah, just look where everybody's moving away from. Stay away from that area. You know, sometimes we want to make a big deal out of it, but it's really black or white. It's so simplistic as far as that. I mean, I hate to throw states under the bus, but I I mean, there's certain states that I just look at and go, it's like the Titanic. So why the heck? There might be deals there, but why would I go invest there? Yeah, if you're buying real estate on the Titanic, I mean, it doesn't matter how good it is, does it? So in your experience, what's a big reason why people fail in the syndication business? Or maybe you see ways that people are being too risky or something like that? I think people have a hard time saying no. I think that's one thing I tell my wife and and we talk about all the time. At an early age, you got to say no. And this goes back to extracurricular activity. We have friends going to Vegas, do this. We were just laser focused. We said, no, we're pretty simplistic. I love my family. I love investing. We love our careers. So we would say no quite a bit. And we obviously we live below our means. That's important. We grew organically within the company. And I get asked to do certain things and it just doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense for my time. And that's whether it's political or, you know, I don't even watch that stuff course, it matters when it comes to rates and what the rates are. I just don't bog myself down with that stuff because me personally, I feel like it's a waste of time. So as far as I feel like that's helped us to be focused and to live below our means and stay within ourselves and just say no. I mean, that's not to say we don't have fun. We've got great friends. It's just, you know, you can get asked to do and spread out so many different directions that it takes away from the overall goal. And for us, other than our faith and having a great family, it's passive income. 
We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the, in the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 